It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? It's Joe DiBiase from the Locked On Sabres podcast. Tom Gazzola from Locked On Oilers joining here on the Locked On NHL podcast. Tom, so the way we set it up, and I don't think I've ever told you this, so I'm, I'm wondering if you'll be surprised by this. Um, the software we use to record here, I'm always in the, 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 the conference room first, and then I invite you and you join usually within like a minute or two. But do you know that there is a, there's a hold song for whatever I'm waiting for you before you join? There's a song that plays every time. Did you know that? I had no idea. Uh, okay. What a revelation. What is it, like a 70s song or is it something good? Is I it mean, elevator music? It's almost like they're trolling you. It's almost like they are trolling you. Um, so the <laughs> software we use, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the same song every time. They don't rotate it. It is never going to give you up by Nick Astley. That song oh, plays <laughs> every day. I can't wait for you to get in this room just because if it goes on, that's one of those songs where – I don't know. If it goes on for like a minute or more, that's in your head for three days. <laughs> it's such a good song, though. <laughs> I love that song. It is. It I mean, is I'm a not good gonna song. Lie. <laughs> um, they are totally trolling everyone by doing that, though. I think they have to be. I think they have to. Be. It's got to be. Yeah, for sure it is. Yeah. Um, so that song's over. I've got it out of my head, I think, because you joined pretty quickly, like within seconds. Um, and we're rolling here on the podcast. We're going to get back into our all-time numbers list uh, in today's episode. We are at number 51 is where we left off. So we'll try to squeeze in 51 through 60 on today's episode as we uh, get closer and closer to 99, which is going to be the easiest of any of the numbers. Um, but we've got a couple of news items that are noteworthy in the NHL in the last week, one of which is below the NHL, and we'll bring that up first. So the AHL announced officially, this has been speculated for weeks and weeks, but the AHL has canceled its season. And I think one thing I've wondered, not just about the AHL, but all sports in general, like I've got uh, my, my, my buddy Chris from uh, from the radio station, whose son is like an OHL draft pick and a USHL draft pick. Like he's a, a big up and coming uh, goalie prospect, and he's hearing like there's a good chance he doesn't play at all, and like he's got to find a way to get reps in um, this upcoming season because minor leagues are going to have trouble, especially when they're gate driven, of getting on the ice. And like minor league baseball is supposedly, if it hasn't been official already, is going to cancel the season. The AHL now has canceled the rest of its season. Um, the good news, I would think, though, for the AHL is the the one stat that 21 teams now in the league are owned by the NHL club. So I think at least by financial uh, uh, terms, they're on pretty solid uh, in a pretty solid uh, foothold here. Yeah, Joe, it, you're right, though. Like, it does help big time when, you know, the, the parent team does own the AHL team, and it's it's definitely moving in that direction more and more so. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it sucks to see. Like, it, obviously, the whole COVID situation is tough, but it, it's hard to to see leagues have to shut down, cancel seasons. And, and I think, you know, people immediately think about you know, players, coaches, and like, well, you know, they're paid pretty well but in the minors and this goes across the board with all sports 
in the minor leagues, guys do not get paid that well. Some do, mm-hmm. but most of them don't. And then on top of that, there's a lot of people that work for those organizations, teams, uh, the arena staff there, or uh, stadium staff in all the respective yeah. cities. That's a lot of that's a lot of work that people are going to be missing, and uh, they're going to be put out quite a bit. And it, I don't know what's going to happen. I was talking to my buddies who work for the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, their athletic therapist and their equipment manager. And and they're just kind of mm-hmm. waiting around. They're not sure. They have no idea which way this is going to go. Um, yesterday, I was golfing with a, a guy that plays for the Edmonton Eskimos uh, here mm-hmm. in the CFL. And he's the team's player rep. And he was on conference calls with the league. They're trying to figure out what to do because that's a big-time gate-driven league as well. Like The salary cap's only... I think five and a half to six million in the CFL, Joe. Yep. And uh, these players, you know, there's there's a few players that make upwards of half a million, but for the most part, it's around you know roughly a hundred thousand Canadian, and they don't know what to do. Training camp was supposed to start yesterday, and mm. it, it's crazy. So who knows where this is going to go? But the AHL, I, th- I think you know, we, we finally heard the news. Uh, formally that it was canceling the season, but I think we all knew it was pretty much done. Yeah, and I'm kind of anticipating that, like I said, with all sports, that could be a very likely scenario for any minor league. Uh, The NBA G League, minor league baseball, the AHL even maybe for next season, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, So yeah, there goes the rest of the AHL season. The NHL continues to deliberate how and when they will return to play. And it seems as though this 2014 playoff is getting more and more likely. And (laughs) I think we're starting to get closer to a point where teams are feeling more comfortable thinking and talking about what will actually happen on the ice. And Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet was on uh, our radio station in Buffalo WGR this week. And he said that he's heard from the Penguins that they're upset because under one of the proposals where it would be one through 12 in each conference, the Penguins as a five seed in the first round would play the Montreal Canadiens as a 12 seed. (laughs) And the Penguins who, you know, they're, they're, they've complained once in a while. Like, they're, not, they're, they're known to uh, be willing to speak up when they think something's not yep. right. Um, <laughs> they are not happy that they might have to play Carey Price in a very short playoff series. So I think we're getting more and more comfortable with the, the likelihood of what this tournament is going to be, 24 teams, that now teams are already starting to think about what that means for them on the ice. Yeah, we're it, you're right. Like momentum is starting to pick up here. Uh, you know, a week ago we're saying uh, inch by inch. You know, it seems like we're moving in the right direction. But now mm-hmm. I think you're right in saying uh, we're we're probably going to be getting ready to get back in studio, do the pre and post game show. I'm I'm guessing Joe by July, and mm-hmm. uh, the league seems hell bent on playing the rest of the season. I don't know about you, but. I know they've been talking about the 24 team scenario and the expanded yeah. playoff format. I, I kind of want to see every team back because every team has roughly 10 to 12 games left. And yeah. that's a big chunk of the season. Uh, a lot can happen. And I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to hap- happen. I think it's wishful thinking on my part, but I ultimately would like to see all 31 teams finishing out the season. We'll see where it goes, but you're right. It, it seems like more and more now we're talking about the resumption of the hockey season. And quite honestly, I know I know things are not 
great in the world and we're not in the clear when it comes to COVID, but uh, it's mm-hmm. going to be a breath of fresh air to see hockey back in action. By the way, I wanted to ask you this um, before we get into our all-time numbers list. Joe, um, Joe Buck um, from Fox says that Fox is planning on, for the NFL season, piping in fake crowd noise to their telecasts and that we had a little bit of a back and forth, me and a couple buddies this week about whether you would want the silence and the realness of what is actually happening in the arena or stadium where this sporting event is being played um, versus the fake noise, which will also be a little weird, but I think people would get used to after a little bit, where would you stand on that for the NHL? So if they come back to play uh, the Canadian partners, Sportsnet or uh, TSN or NBC in, in the States, what, whoever is broadcasting these games, what side of the fence are you? Fake crowd noise piped in or just go with the, uh, the silence and just the player and uh, the game sounds? I think I like the just the game itself. I find piped in crowd noise I, I think you know it's inauthentic obviously mm-hmm. to me it's it's even stranger like you've got this noise coming in of a crowd that's clearly not there I, I just find it weird and that just might be me um one thing I do find funny in the Bundesliga that just started up uh the German soccer league is that one team is offering fans uh, I think it's like 15 20 bucks and they'll and you send in a picture and they'll make a life-size cardboard cutout out of your picture and Mm. put them in the seats. It looks hilarious. And (laughs) I thought that was kind of neat. But in terms of piping in fan noise, I I heard about that and the crowd noise and stuff. I I think it's just weird. But, uh, you know, each league is going to have to handle it its own way. But I I just find it odd. And I'd rather just hear the game and the players and, and all that in the silence. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the middle. I think I, a lot of what you said there is right. And I think that if I had to, if you made me pick a side, I'd probably go with, um, like, if, if especially if it was for the whole season, I'd probably go with just the authentic noise. And I think it would be cool to hear um, some of what the players and the coaches and the refs, like, conversationally are having. Now, I'm sure TV broadcasts are not going to allow us into all of that because, I mean, you, you would have to put the, the games on HBO then. Um, <laughs> because of all the swearing, but um, at the same time, like I'd like to, I'd like to maybe give it like a, a test run. Like if they're gonna have any exhibitions or any any games to like try to get back into into shape here before the season, and they want to try it on to see what it sounds like, I'd maybe be open to that because I'm not sure it has to be a terrible idea. Um, it's sports, right. and I know it's different, but I'm thinking about like the laugh track for sitcoms back in the day and. You know, like one show I watch on HBO a lot is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, who, of course, uh, records in, in front of a live audience, as do most of the, the late night television shows. And since he has removed that that live audience because if he's doing it from his home now, it's just so weird. Like, I can't even watch it. Like, he's teeing up jokes and, he, he, and he's, he's funny. But when there's no one laughing at it, like, it just it feels so strange. And I feel like that show in particular, like if they had a laugh track in there, I think I'd be much more willing to watch it. Now, again, sports is completely different, but that's why I'm on the I'm only as willing to go as far as to say I would want to hear it first uh, before I signed up for a whole season of that. So a um, couple of things, so a yeah. couple yeah. of things, Joe. Great show uh, last week tonight. Mm-hmm. Love it. And you're right with without the studio audience there when he 
bust a joke. Yeah. I find myself, I've maybe laughed out loud twice in the <laughs> four or five episodes he's done from, I'm guessing, his home. Yeah. And then uh, I, that's actually a really good idea you bring up with, uh, like, say, the NHL. Try it out if they yep. do, like, exhibition games or or whatever and see how it works, if it if it sounds okay or whatever. That might be the solution. Buddy, I think you answered it right there. I, I, I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we will get into our all-time number list in just a second. But first, we want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are tasty protein bars that taste like candy bars. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut-free flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. My favorite flavor is the peanut butter brownie, which is, again, like for a protein bar, these are very healthy. 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar and only three grams of net carbs. Uh, the mint brownie flavor, 15 grams of protein, 110 calories. You only got four grams of sugar in that one and five grams of net carbs uh, in that one. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Joe DiBiase and Tom Gazzola here on the Locked On NHL podcast. All right, Tom, you ready to jump back into our uh, all-time number list? We're at 51. Oh, yeah, buddy. Tom, uh, most of the time here is going for the the obscure guys, and I'm I'm really going to be test. We're going to be testing your your knowledge here of the game <laughs> because I think the higher we go, the less and less likely there are going to be obscure that there's going to be obscure guys. Um, but we'll see. We'll we'll see how you do. Um, let's start with uh, number fifty one. And I got two names that come immediately to mind, one of which was one of my favorite players growing up as a Buffalo Sabres fan, and that was Brian Campbell, who went on to have a very lengthy and great career with uh, the Chicago Blackhawks and Florida Panthers as well. Also had a cup of coffee with the Sharks. And he was like just a kind of almost like ahead of his time when he first arrived with the Sabres, and it took him a few years to crack the lineup as a full timer because he was more of that, you know, the puck moving defenseman. He wasn't that big. He wasn't that tough, but he was really solid and he had some really good offensive ability. He's the first 51 I think of, but you've also got Franz Nielsen who's still hanging around um, in the league today. And he's been a good player for a long time as well Um, from Norway. Franz Nielsen. Whenever you get stuck playing being Norway in the NHL video game, you always (laughs) got to double shift Franz Nielsen. So those are the first two I think of. (laughs) Uh, that's uh, Franz Nielsen and Norway. I love that reference. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out a couple of uh, uh, some uh, obscure ones. Andre Kovalenko, Rockin' 51, the Russian tank, as he was known, uh-huh. uh, 30 goal scorer at one point in time. Uh, he, he bounced around a lot of teams. So he started out with Quebec, finished up with Boston, had stops in obviously Colorado. He was with Montreal in Edmonton, Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm not sure if he was one of Boston, those Boston maybe classic, for a second uh, too. Yeah, he was at Boston. That's where he finished up. I think he okay, was. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but I don't think. I think he might have been a smoker too. A lot of those Russians <laughs> okay. came over. Like uh, yep. Zubov was a smoker, and uh, I think Kovalenko might have been. And there's this great story around Edmonton about him and Boris Mironov in the mid to late '90s when they were with the Oilers. Um, they were 
I think they were fined and suspended by the team because they're on the road in like Chicago or New York. And mm. uh, Andre Kovalenko went missing, quote unquote, and Boris Smirnov <laughs> okay. went to find him. And they didn't show up to practice the next day, so they didn't play in the game either. And uh, I, I'm paraphrasing it. It's the Coles Notes version of the story. But, uh, yeah, Boris Mirnov and Andre Kovalenko. So there's an obscure number 51, interesting one from back in the day. All right, I like it. Uh, one other that I feel like I should mention here who's uh, had a very long career in the NHL as a defenseman was Fedor Tutin, um, mostly with oh, yeah. the Blue Jackets, if I remember correctly. He's a number 51 that just came to mind for me. Uh, number 52 is, uh, I, I think, of Adam Foote, probably, as uh, the, the number one, number 52 of all time. But I don't know, Mike Green's in the running there as well. Mike Green, is, as a defenseman, had a 30-goal season in an era where that almost never happens and he has i think of course you would you would know him now as being uh, an oiler um right, his career barely. has kind of yeah his career's gone by the wayside i think he's still a decent defenseman but he's nowhere near what he used to be um but adam foot i think would i go number one maybe mike green number two those are two pretty good ones uh here's a guy that wore 52 back in the day and he's now a head coach in the national hockey league dallas aikens War 52 really? with the Jets because yeah <laughs> and and de- like I got along yeah I it was in 93 when he did that when he wore okay. it and that was the year Solani scored I think the 76 goals as a rookie and when yep. he threw his glove up in the air and shot it um the first guy that actually embraced Solani after he celebrated that goal was Dallas Akins. okay and uh and yeah so I mean Akins. You know, he played a long time, but he wasn't really a, uh, an NHLer, like a bona fide NHLer. He was up and down between the mm-hmm. minors and the NHL quite a bit. But there's a number 52 for you, an obscure, interesting one. I like it. Uh, honorable mention to uh, former Buffalo Sabres captain Craig Reve, by the way, who uh, probably more notably playing for the Canadians for 12 years. He is uh, now still here hanging out in Buffalo. He's doing sports radio during the day. Uh, the instigators on WGR in Buffalo still in the area. Nice. Uh, Craig Reve, another good uh, 52. Um, 53, I th- I th- is it? Number one, maybe, is if is a current Sabre and Jeff Skinner. I've got two guys that come to mind immediately that are very good players in the league right now. Skinner, even though he is having a down year this year, and then Bo Horvat of the Vancouver Canucks, um, who I believe made the All-Star game this year or last year, but has been a very good yep. player as well for Vancouver. Uh, th- surprisingly, guys have worn, a lot of guys have worn 50s. This is what I'm discovering here. Uh, here's a, an obscure one for you, but this guy is one of my favorite guys to deal with of all time. Just uh, blood mm-hmm. and guts, grit and determination, would stick up for anyone, fight anyone. Sometimes he would score. Oh, I think uh, I know he's what known for, okay. for his uh, paralyzer shootout move, um, Matt Hendricks. Uh, I absolutely <laughs> respect yep. and love this guy. And uh, just a pleasure to deal with and one of my favorites uh, to ever deal with in the National Hockey League. And it's, you know, he was such a glue guy, too, that uh, I think, was it Winnipeg traded for him twice in, in a year? Uh, yeah. They picked him up, you know, the year after he left Edmonton. And then he went played in mini for a year. And then mm-hmm. at the deadline, Winnipeg went and traded for him again just to bring him in for the postseason. Uh, he wore 53 with the abs in 09 and then Nikolai Habibulin wore 53 with the Hawks. Isn't that weird? Really? 
That I do yeah. not remember. I don't remember that for yeah. a second. Um, it's Hendrix. I I actually thought I knew where you were going with there. Um, because of his time with the Oilers, and but and not that anyone remember him as a fifty three though, because uh, but yeah, I had him on my list here as a fifty three playing in Colorado. So I did. I actually did think you were going with Matt Hendrix there, especially ah, when okay, you said nice. shootout, because I always remember wondering like Edmonton is going with uh Matt Hendricks in the shootout and I'm like Matt Hendricks see like five goals in the year but the guy was just like was <laughs> pretty good in the shootouts I don't know I don't know what it was but um he was uh 53 uh if I don't I don't know if I have I had one other one here that I wanted to mention oh Casey Zizekas was the another one and uh Shane Gossespierre for Philadelphia is a very good player that uh should probably be mentioned here uh number 54 I don't have a lot I th- I mean, my number one and the, the top guy I can think of at the very least, unless I'm forgetting someone, is Adam McQuaid, who had a long career as a defenseman, a tough defenseman for the Boston Bruins in their heyday. Uh, I mean, they're still in their heyday, but through the early 2000s and into the mid 2010s, um, Adam McQuaid might be the best I can do here. Yeah, 54 is one of the weird ones. And uh, McQuaid's a really good dude, by the way. I talked to him, uh, <laughs> interviewed him on another podcast a couple weeks ago, really good guy. Uh, his career kind of just derailed in a hurry after last year. Yeah. Um, I'll throw out this one. Teddy Purcell, Teddy Purcell wore 54 with the Kings back in the day. Uh, he's an absolute beauty, funny dude. And now he's a skills coach working with Adam Oates. And, you know, I mean, Joe, you would know in football, uh, there's quarterbacks, coaches, there's, quarterbacks in the league that have skills coaches in and that they work with in the in the summer and they throw and all that well Adam Oates has become one of those personal coaches for NHL players and now he's got mm-hmm. Teddy Purcell working with him which I thought's interesting mm-hmm. the, the other um another guy I actually just thought of and he showed up on my list and I, I'm wondering what happened to him Paul Ranger was like an oh he yeah a, he was an oh he was a pretty good player when he was in Tampa uh right after the lockout in 05 and I'm looking at his stats right now like he when you look at minutes played like he played 20 minutes a night for them in 07 25 minutes a night for them in 08 24 minutes 30 seconds in 09 then over 20 minutes in 2010 then he disappears for three years and he shows up in Toronto again in 2014 and just a quick look at his Wikipedia page um Ranger went overseas. No, or he just three years removed from competitive hockey. I don't see a reason why that happened, but okay. Paul Ranger just kind of disappeared for three years and then gave it another shot with the, with the Leafs. I don't know what that's Sportsnet. Sportsnet did a thing on him this season. Okay. And, uh, and apparently he, he was dealing with some mental health stuff. And okay. just walked away from the game. He just he walked away from the game. Uh, he had signed a, a pretty good contract. I think it was with Tampa at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he just he walked away. He's like, I can't do it. And then uh, yeah, he came back a, a few years later. Yeah. But uh, that that was an interesting one because he was a pretty good player, like you mentioned. Yeah. All right. Um, put, we got uh, Paul Ranger in there as well. Fifty five. There's some good fifty fives. Sergey Gonchar. Um, maybe borderline hall of famer. I might want to look at that a little bit more before I go right ahead and say that, uh, Nicholas Cronwall is a name here as well. And then I'll throw in uh former Buffalo Sabre, longtime Buffalo Sabre, Jochen Hesch, who almost oh, scored, yeah. 
almost scored the goal in 06 that sent the Buffalo Sabres to the Stanley Cup. Game 7, it's the weirdest thing to be patented for, but Jochen Hesch scored more goals in the NHL from behind the goal line than anyone I've ever seen. And he almost sent the Sabres to the Cup by doing it. Two seconds left in the second period, Game 7 in Carolina in 06, the conference finals. Hesch just throws it from the corner, and he banks it off of Cam, like completely on purpose, and he banks it off Cam Ward and into the net that gave them a one-goal lead going into the third, which they ended up squandering. But uh, Jochen Hesch would be my favorite 55 all time. Sergey Gonchar probably the best. Oh, yeah. Gonchar was great. I think you're right. He could be a borderline Hall of Famer, too. And uh, he's what a coach with the Penguins, I believe. Now yeah, and works on their coach. power play and stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about Chris Gratton? He wore fifty five back in the day. When and he played a long happened. time. He, yeah, he he didn't really like live up to. There was a lot of hype around Chris Gratton, uh-huh. and he didn't really live up to the hype. I think, oh yeah, but he's Awful still a really Buffalo. solid player. Yeah, yeah, but he but played no, forever. He- he played forever and like he bounced around all the time. I actually have uh I have a hockey card from the 93 maybe, the 93 draft and it's like it's Pronger, it's uh, someone else that is escaping me right now that was super good and then it's Chris Gratton. And it was like best draft of the generation or something. And then Gratton comes out and becomes like, you know, like he played a long time in the league, but right. I I can at least say from Buffalo's point of view, he's not looked upon very favorably in that he was he came here with high expectations from Tampa that he didn't live up to mm-hmm. but he did end up getting them getting them Danny Breer in a trade so I guess that would be a positive for Buffalo fans I should mention here Joe who played oh, for Joe Bacop, yeah. in the NHL and um I think was he number one overall pick Jovanowski yep. Oh yeah. Would you would you consider him living up to expectations? Because I'm not sure he was ever like the best defenseman in hockey. Like you might want a top pick to be, but I mean the guy played over a thousand games in the league and played 18 years. So like I feel like he lived up. I think so. I mean he and he did have some pretty like really solid seasons. Um, yeah. I'm thinking in Vancouver he was he was a beast with the Canucks and I think uh-huh. he did. I think it's fair to say he lived up to the expectation. He had some really strong seasons and he was pretty effective up until he retired. He had another cup of coffee mm-hmm. with the Panthers to wrap up his career. Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, he ended up coming back there for, I think three seasons. Yeah. Three seasons include one of them. He only played six games in, but um, yeah, started and ended his career in Florida, but you're right. Like the meat of it, like right in the middle with uh, Vancouver and a little bit in Phoenix was really where his, uh, his glory days came. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, 56. I think Sergei Zuboff, on the other hand, I do believe he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, if you yes. look at the, 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 the numbers on Zuboff, he absolutely deserves to be a hall of famer. Uh, I would consider him the best 56 of all time. The, another one that pops into my head, that's a very good player. And to me, an underrated player in the league right now that wears 56 is, uh, Eric Halla now of the Carolina hurricanes, formerly of the Vegas golden Knights. Did, did you see the story about, uh, this one neighborhood in Vegas where they're going to name every street after the original golden Knights team that went to the cup final. 
No, I didn't see this. Like, this is happening. <laughs> Eric Holla. Yeah, he's got a street that's going to be named after him. And then and it's got uh, a couple of coaches and there's 30 streets. And one notable omission was James Neal. And I was like, why wow. is it James Neal's name on a street? And they've got like Brad Hunt, uh, Oscar, huh. or what's his name? Dansk. Oscar Dansk uh, played like five games. Yeah, maybe. Tomasz Tatar is getting a street named after him. And he was a healthy scratch in the playoffs after being traded uh, by Detroit at the at the deadline. Like, I was like, but why isn't James Neal on there? Anyway, I just just the yeah. thought. And it's interesting that a community is going to be doing that. He scored the, the game-winning goal to send them to the Stanley Cup. Um, it wasn't like an yeah. overtime goal, but he scored the, or maybe, no, I don't think it was an overtime goal, but he scored the game winning goal to send them to the Stanley cup. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, not every, everybody is on the, the, or maybe everybody is represented here. A lot of people are. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah, you've even got George McPhee on here. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Carpenter Jared is Gallant. listed here. Gerard Gallant, yeah. Will Carrier, who's like a fourth liner. That's crazy. James Neal, show the man some respect to your Vegas. Um, Unbelievable. All right. Obscure number 56 real quickly, though. Ian yeah. Herbers, coach of the University of Alberta Golden Bears. Good dude. Okay. Um, 57, I think, would go to maybe a couple of uh, current players, David Perron and Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers called their trophy winner with the Sabres in his first season. Perron's been a very good player for a very long time in the league. I don't really have a legend to, to give you here. So I think those may, might be the best two all time for uh, 57. Yeah. And, and David Perron, by the way, is getting a street named after him in that community in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> cool. uh, uh, another 57. Remember Steve Beijing? Yeah, yeah, Steve Beijing. Didn't he end Montreal. up in Buffalo too? He may have been here, but never played a game. Something like that. Uh, I got. Let me look at that real quick. I'm not sure. He never played for them. I'm looking at his page right now. And okay. He never played for them, but there, there's something there. Okay. So I got. I got to look it up. And another 57. Uh, great name, obscure guy, PJ mm. Axelson. PJ Axelson, yep. Um, and, yeah. Do you remember Steve Hines too? I remember he Steve Hines. Yeah, he, he played in uh, he played in Buffalo for for yeah. Um, and I I remember yeah. he had to ask to be allowed to wear fifty seven. He wanted to be a Hines fifty seven. Yeah. Um. Uh. Beijing, by the way, was dealt to the Sabers along with Chris Drury in a trade with the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Beijing, uh, okay. although promoted by coach Lindy Ruff, that players would like him, he never played a game with the Sabres, was exposed to waivers before the 03 season and was claimed by Montreal. So he was a Sabre, kind of. I don't think I'd consider him a former Sabre. If a guy, if a guy like this could be for any team, the Oilers, whoever, if a guy is on the, the roster but never plays a game, is he a former player? I feel like I'd want to go gotta play. on that. Yeah, you got to get on the You got to play. Yeah. It's the exactly. same thing. I'm with football. you on that. Yeah, it's the same thing with like football. Like Vince Young played in the preseason for the Bills. Is he a former Bill? I would say no. He didn't make it oh. to like the real the real show. Um, okay. I'm glad we settled that because that's exactly where I, I stand on that. Uh, 58 is where we are now. And I think 58 
has uh, again a player now that it would be the number one player. I think maybe that this is going to be more of a trend later on here. Uh, Chris Letang has been a phenomenal defenseman, the number one defenseman um, to me on a team that has won multiple Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I really think that if injuries didn't kind of take away a lot of uh, seasons for him, he would be looked upon more favorably in the league as one of the premier defensemen. But I think he's been a, a darn good one for a long time. Can't argue that. That's for sure. Uh, I'll throw this one out there. Ryan O'Mara. He had a ton <laughs> of potential. And uh-huh. uh, he was like in his 16 or 17-year-old season in junior, Joe, there was talk that he would go first overall. And I okay. think it was he was drafted in 05, somewhere around there. And uh, he ended up being a bust. Really good dude. Uh, he only played a handful of NHL games, but uh-huh. it just didn't work out. I feel like the reason I know this name and it's right. So once in a while, like you do, like, especially when you get bored, like you look at an exercise, like who's the best player from each country. And you look at, sometimes you'll get into a rabbit hole of looking at countries that have only had a handful of players in the league. And the I can't right. believe I remembered this name from this. He was born in Tokyo, Japan. So right. That's if right. he's not the only one, he's one of a very select few NHL players that was born in Japan. Um, but you're right. Like he only played 33 games in the league, 31 of them for the Oilers. Yep. All right. Yeah, he was like, born in Japan. Really smart guy. He was the only guy I remember in the locker room that would mm-hmm. read a newspaper. <laughs> really? Nobody else would touch. <laughs> yeah. I remember him reading it one day after practice. I'm like, really? A newspaper? He's like, yeah. Uh-huh. Dying breed over here. I was like, no kidding. Um. All right, let's roll along with uh, number 59, and then we'll finish up with number 60. 59, I think the best 59 of all time has got to be Roman Yossi. Again, another current player, but Norris caliber defenseman. He's finished in the top 10 in Norris trophy voting, um, I think, every year for the last five years, maybe. And there were a couple seasons even before that. He is phenomenal, maybe a very underappreciated defenseman because he did. He spent a lot of his career in Shea Weber's shadow and then with P.K. Subban a little bit after that. I'll also mention here at 59, a guy that I hated. Maybe it's in part because he was a part of that Carolina 06 team that the Sabres ran into in the conference finals. And this guy was an agitator, and I just I hated him growing up. And that was Chad LaRose, uh, who wore number 59 oh. for the Carolina Hurricanes. Ah, yes, uh, that same <laughs> Hurricanes team that beat the Oilers in 06. Um, yeah. Number 59 with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2011. One of the greatest names uh, to see the back of a jersey in the NHL, Rob Klinkhammer. Remember Klink? <laughs> I only remember him because of what his name is. It's like I don't know if I could give you a, <laughs> yeah. a, a single play of his career, but I remember his name. <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. There's a good obscure one. Um, and then finally with uh, number 60, and maybe this is more of a goalie number. I would have to look into more guys that have worn the number, but I think the best number 60 of all time would have to be uh, former Vesna and Hart Trophy winner. One of the few goaltenders in the last 25 years that's also won the Hart, Jose Theodore. Jose Theodore. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, a hell of a goalie for, for a while. Um. Number 60, did you know that Antoine Roussel wore 60 with the Stars? I did not know that. And Vladimir Sabaka did with the Bruins. That I knew. I almost that, forgot. The, yeah. 
That I knew I maybe only because I've gone that. to his stat pages enough to see that. Um, but yes, okay, sixty-four. I did not know that about uh, about Roussel. And one other guy. Now that I'm looking at a list of it right now, um, Marcus Granlund, who is not is he on the Oilers now? He he was was he traded there? Uh, technically, yeah, I guess so. He they sent him okay. down to Bakersfield. I'll tell you what, Joe. I didn't care for that signing at the start of the year. Okay. I know it was a cheap one-year deal, and uh, he did absolutely nothing. Nothing. <laughs> he had one week this season where I think he scored uh-huh. three goals on a road trip, and then uh-huh. he was, was basically it? a ghost. I'm looking and at stats now. That was down. It. <laughs> yeah, uh, he he was awful, and and they were. <laughs> this popped up on uh, Edmonton Sports social media like a week ago and legendary hall of fame writer Jim Matheson brought up Marcus Granlund saying that if the season does continue and the Oilers need to bring in black aces, Marcus Granlund, who I think is signed to go play in Europe next season, um, mm-hmm. would be a black ace for them. And I was just like, Oh boy, why? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, I digress. Do you, do you have any memory of Sebastian uh, Bizali? I don't even know how to pronounce the guy's name, but he's oh, another Oilers. Yeah, he's another Oilers. Yeah, yeah, Sebastian Bizion. They yeah. called him up from junior. He was an uh-huh. undersized, puck-moving defenseman with a good shot, but things got so bad for the Oilers at the end of the 06-07 season. I think they won two of their last 21 games, Ooh. and that was the year they traded Ryan Smith at the deadline where they got Ryan O'Mara from the Islanders. And they ran out of defensemen, both here in the NHL and down on the farm, that they had to call up Sebastian Bisayon from the QMJHL. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. It was, it was a death march for 20 games. And uh, that was the only time he saw in the National Hockey League. Wow, that's crazy. I'm pretty sure. Um, great name, though. That's why I'm, I'm glad I brought him up, because it's a great name. Um. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Me and Tom will go run through 61 through 70 on next week's podcast for the best numbers. And what my favorite player of all time, uh, it, growing up as a kid and just my favorite uh, hockey player uh, ever, Ward number 61. So I'm glad to start can I guess? 61 off with him. You can guess. Do you know? You can guess. Go ahead. It's definitely Zygmunt Palfy. You were a big Zig fan, weren't you? <laughs> uh, I can't. Def- You'll have to tune in next week to find out if uh, Palfy is my number one sixty-one of all time. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we'll do that next week. Thanks everyone for listening this week, and uh, we'll talk to you then. This has been the Lockdown NHL Podcast with Joe DiBiase and Tom Gazzola, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.